Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Scrapyard. I am your host, Nathan Mealpolder, joined here by Taylor. Howdy! And Xavier. The Miami Dolphins wish they were half as bad as Season 1 Shanghai. <laughs> Today, we are talking about the Overwatch League. Specifically, we are going to be talking about Shock clapping their way, even though it was close in some of those games, to get back to the Grand Finals, and we're going to say, rest in peace to the fallen teams. Additionally, we will be doing a quick retrospective of the season with our favorite moments, some good stories, nostalgia, and a goodbye to the Blizzard Arena. Okay, so, before before we move on from this intro, I do want to commemorate a great moment in, uh, honestly, sporting history. So, Ash Ketchum won his first Pokemon League tournament in almost three decades. I mean... We talk about great losing streaks. You know, the Browns in 2016, the Shanghai Dragons. Ash Ketchum's losing streak in major tournaments is honestly one of the most underrated aspects of sports. So I just want to say congratulations to Ash. Uh, I know he's retiring after this year, so um, it's nice that he was able to get one in. If you want to hear more news about Ash Ketchum and the Pokemon League, feel free to follow us at Twitter or Instagram at Scrapyard Media. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, especially where you're listening right now, and also YouTube, at Scrapyard Media. And finally, if you want to play video games with us, go ahead, add us on Xbox or PlayStation, even Steam, at Scrapyard Media. Roll intro! So, the shock. They lost to Atlanta, but then they had the clap back of the ages. I don't think anyone didn't expect this, but they're back. We're getting Vancouver and Shock in the Grand Finals. We're not talking about that, though. We're talking about them clapping everyone else. Yeah. So here's one, like, really messed up thing. So Atlanta, you know, gives us, like, this hope. Like, wow, upsets can happen. Yeah. And then if you look at how these playoffs ended... Basically, how things shaked out in the final stage, or basically how everything shaked out Every in the playoffs, time, because yeah. Vancouver is the number one team, Shock are number two, they're facing off in the grand finals, then it was New York, Spark, Atlanta, Gladiators, like, everything, exactly. like, lined up exactly to how you kind of expected these teams to actually be, which one is pretty cool, and then also, I think it was really good having a double elimination tournament. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because single elimination just, I don't know, like, it doesn't work because y you do want the best teams and upsets do happen. Like, mm -hmm. the shock messed up. Yes. And then we could have a lackluster finals with New York getting destroyed by Vancouver and then suddenly being right back in the grand finals because yes. they had to face Atlanta, who didn't deserve to be there anyway. Yeah. So it was nice that. These things actually ended up, as all things should be, perfectly balanced. It's the number one and the number two team. With shocking, shocking, like, similarities between them. I don't know if we want to talk about the Vancouver Shock game, because I feel like that's a uh, topic for later. Yeah, it's like a feature. But they are remarkably simil similar, so that's going to... Yeah, they're destined. To talk. They're, it's, they are... This is like destiny. The, yeah. These two teams, the Shock go in... Easily four of the spark. Like the spark had no chance in that game because uh, they're not the best team in the Overwatch League. Yeah, I was wrong about that. Sadly, however, and then they're simply way better than New York. Like New, yeah. there wasn't a moment in that game where I was thinking, "Damn, New York could probably win this." 
Liberal got completely outplayed. He got played out of the game. They had to bring in Flower. Just Everybody to, got played out of the game. Yeah, though. just to do something. Mono was very bad. Yeah. Mecha was acceptable. And then Animo and Jonak just played well, but they got completely outdone by Violet and Moth. Yeah. And then obviously Sinatra and Stryker just outplayed Sabiel B. Yes. Bro by far. Like, it was, it was a clean sweep. And it was another one of those games where on map four... The Shocker bringing in their bench just because just to can. take a break. Like, all right, well, we know we're going to win this. Yeah. Throw out Rascal and Archive. I mean, sometimes your your B tier does need to get scrims in, so. Essentially. Uh, basically. But I think something that's interesting, and it's, like, pointed out several times where it's, like, Shock do one thing, and they, like, fuck up. And so it's, like, well, now we're stuck in this situation where we lost a game. And it's, like, they lost a game bad. And then they come back from that and they're just like, hold up, wait a minute, let me beat your ass real quick. And that's how it is like every single time leading up to the stage one finals after stage one when Shock was defeated and like it was heartbreaking and all that. They came back the next season and had a perfect season. And then like same thing with like stage three where they got beat again like by Shanghai and then they come and do this like perfect stage again and so on and so forth. It's just this is what they do. Yeah, there was a there was a quote from Sinatra where after they got beat by Atlanta, they decided they were just going to play chaos. They were going to play to f- have fun and play to win. And it's worked out for them because they're playing the shock way and no one can beat the pure, just unstoppable force that is the shock when they're playing at 100%. And yeah. I always say, like, Basically, the biggest thing that separates teams is just the ability to completely buy into a specific strategy. Exactly. Where everybody's on the exact same page. And with Vancouver, everyone is clearly on the same page, but I feel like Vancouver plays a lot more conventionally. I think Vancouver does everything, at least how it feels, like by the book. Like, they, you know, they're very similar to New York in the way where they're a lot more aggressive than New York, Mm -hmm. but they play by the book. They do what works, and they just ride it to victory. But with the shock, especially in that New York game, just watching them, there were moments where, starting off on the first map, it was Lijong Tower, there were fights that the shock should have lost. And I think any other team would have been like, all oh, right, yeah. it's it's 2v6, the fight's probably lost, Let's let's not commit anything more to this. And then the shock... I feel like had that switch after losing the first point going into the the last two points that they just decided to commit everything to almost every fight. If they had a sound barrier, they were going to use it to milk extra time. If they had a gravitic flux, they were going to use it to just try and get one pick to turn the, turn the fight around. They weren't holding any ults too long. They weren't trying to get too cute, trying to get the perfect play with these ults. They were simply, it feels like before the game, they all told each other and their coach just said, if you feel like you need to do something, just do it, do it. Mm-hmm. You have like every player on that team has the green light to just do whatever they need to do because there's so much trust. You know, you trust your supports will be able to keep you up. You trust your tanks will make space. You trust your DPS will finish these kills for you. And you you just look at their stats everybody is getting essentially the same amount of kills. Right. Yeah. You know, sometimes Violet will have 41, while everybody else has 35. 
you know, sometimes Sinatra will have five more kills than everybody. But generally speaking, if you look at each map and, like, just their kill death and then damage, everybody's right in line with each other. And that, yeah. that indicates that they're all moving as one unit and they're all cognizant of everybody else's movement. So when one person is diving somebody, everybody else is following up on that. And, you know, you don't see that with a lot of teams. Yeah. Or you see that, but there's slight hesitation. I always remember uh, earlier in the season, one of the Soul Dynasty games, Fleta had, he was playing Reaper and he had ult. But he kept trying to go for a flank and he waited three seconds too long to use his ult. Yeah. And you just don't see that with the shock. You don't see mm-hmm. that waiting. You know, the second Violet, Violet gets Coalescence, he's popping it. It could be, you know, they could be down two people and he's using his ult. Yeah. Because you commit everything to every fight. And I think a lot of teams aren't used to that. Yeah. I think teams are used to getting that advantage and having the other team pull back. But the shock, they're committing. And that was really big on Lijong Tower, where their stalling got them 99%. Yeah. And they and basically had the fight lost, but they just kept stalling, kept stalling, kept committing ults. And when... that happened, like, several times in other games, too. Especially on, like, the first map where it's all like, well... They're at 99, and they stalled this entire time, and then the other team takes the point, and they're like, okay, you're at, like, 25%. We'll take that back real quick. Because it's just how they manage everything that they're doing. And it happened several times going through the lower bracket, especially on, like, Lijong and those, like, control King of the Hill type maps. Yeah, when it comes down to those King of the Hill maps, even, well, most objective-based games, having one person stalling out while you control it is just as good as having your whole team there because either way you're stalling and as long as you're not fully just trickling in it's going to work out so yeah no i think shock has really gotten the the rhythm of those types of things i mean the shocker teams haven't the shocker also a really bad matchup for new york because in goats new york played very passively and they and they still do they still play fairly passively and they're willing to give up percentage. They're willing to give you ground to make a counter push. Mm-hmm. And the shock are one nearly perfect in their execution. They they clearly have set plays for every situation, every attack, and they can go to every map. And they yeah, and they can go to a play offhand. They're prepared for every single map. And so if you stop a push, that second push is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And then that third push is going to be different. And New York already plays a reactionary style. And I think that works for, you know, certain teams that might not be as offensively, like... Adaptable. Yeah, yeah. adaptable or, like, you know, varied as the Shock are. Or even, you know, Vancouver is. But when you are playing against a Shock or Vancouver, then if you're constantly on the back foot, then you're just giving somebody like Sinatra the ability to call an audible mid-fight and be like, oh, let's let's do this instead. Let's go for this flank. You're giving their super smart players this opportunity to assess the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing that Atlanta does really well against the Shock um, in their game. And then another thing that Vancouver always does well against the Shock is they just meet them. Yeah. They just yeah. meet them in the middle, and if we're going to fight, we're going to fight. And it gives less opportunity for them to actually for the shock to sit back and be like okay and i think we know exactly what you're doing 
and I think the caster said it best, where it's all like, in most fights that you're watching, the first pick proves the rest of the fight. So if New York killed, like, Sinatra on the first pick, like, oh, New York should get the point on this fight, or they should be able to win this fight, or they should be able to push through. But, like, that's not the case with, like, Shock, Vancouver, or Atlanta, because one person goes down, and they're like, okay, everybody keep up the tanks while he's coming back. So, like, the DPS holds back, like, the one DPS that's still alive would hold back, or, you know, the Lucio is gonna hold back a little bit, or... It's just those kind of things where it's like, okay, regroup, and then when, as soon as everybody's back, it's like, you can see them, like, balloon back out. And it's like, instead of them just all pushing, like, narrowly up as, like, one cohesive group, it's like, well, let's have Sinatra come over the bridge this way, and be met by Violet on the other side, and then this, and it's like, you can't, you become, like, a a herd of cattle or sheep and it's just wolves surrounding you. You can't do anything because they're coming in at all sides and you're just staying in this tight little center like group. Yeah, no, they're really good at corralling people. I mean, you watch on like the replay viewer, you can watch from like a overhead angle and you can tell the shock have very clear plays Yeah, where they are corralling you. Um, I watched their game against the spark on the replay viewer. Um, it wasn't this game against the spark. It was a um, previous one. It was goats, but you know, it still matters. Same concept. It still matters, but the same principles apply. Where they are just so good at corralling around a certain person. So mm-hmm. in this meta, they're corralling around the Arisa, and the Arisa just has no out. Right. And then you kill the Arisa, and then they they're so good at corralling around somebody else. And Moth just so many little micro plays. Right. That everybody on this team is a playmaker. Yeah, that's the thing. Like once you corral certain characters there's nothing they can do because even if their support comes in the support's just dead next like it's a it's a really good tactic i think shock is a master of it in a way that a lot of other teams aren't yeah they're just there's something about the shock man yeah and the shocks four o's i mean losing going through the losers bracket four owing everybody and really none of them looking terribly close you know there are a few fights where you're like wow all right the other team can do it but the Spark really didn't put up a fight. The Gladiators really didn't put up a fight. Um, just nobody could touch them. Yeah. Especially the Gladiators. I think the Gladiators had the most like disappointing. Mm-hmm. Because I think even last week, we were thinking the Gladiators had the ability to push the Shock. And then they got, take it. And then they just got rolled. And right. it's the same with New York. They get rolled. And I think, you know, it'd probably take more thinking about this, but... I can see a world where Vancouver just gets rolled, mm-hmm. where yeah. things get bad early and it just snowballs. Um, but obviously, Vancouver is a different team than the Gladiators or the Spark or even New York, because Vancouver is just as good. Yeah, you know, Vancouver has a similar roster that's just full of dudes, and they have playmakers. Play. Yeah. So yeah, I can definitely see it being difficult like the titans don't have a roar yeah that's like not performing up to par they don't have a decay Mm -hmm. that's lackluster when he does get the chance to play every single person on the vancouver titans that gets playing time is genuinely incredible Mm -hmm. and stacks up against who they would be facing on the shock and And, it, it really just depends on and it's going to come down to 
a C9 who's, or something. Like, it's like, going to come down to something. Who's the better tiny. Sigma? Who's the better Doomfist? Who's the better uh, other, insert other DPS, Reaper, etc.? Uh, who's the better Orisa? Who is more... It's going to come down to things where it's like, who is better at watching and calling out cooldowns? Like, it's going to come down to, like, Moth being like, hey, this, I It's going to be that. the small game. It's, it's going to be, be the meta game. so tiny, like, the tiniest of details where it's like, well, Sigma fucked up and used his rock too soon, missed everybody, and now Shock has it. Or something. And you I know. also think... Or vice versa. And I, and I could imagine that it's also just going to be one of those games where, like, map advantage is going to be so important. Where you're yes. going to... Where it's going to be of the utmost importance to steal a map from the opponent. Yeah. Um, some games just kind of don't matter, like the shock versus the loser's bracket, or even Vancouver where, you know, they can get that map advantage and, you know, just kind of coast it real easy. Yeah. Uh, but this game is definitely going to come down to, can you take a map away from the loser and force them to have to pick another map and win that map, you know? Um, and then if they don't, then they're down two maps and... Then morale starts to slip. If you're losing on your map picks, where yeah. you have a distinct strategy, it's and we it saw gets that. depressing. We saw that all weekend. We saw that the Atlanta game, the Gladiators game, the New York game, and the Spark game. We saw how bad it it was for these teams to be like, well, this is the map we're really good on. Like, we're good on Hanamura. We can do this. We're good on Lijong Tower. And then just to be like, well, you're not. Because we are better and we just know how to work around you better and like you could definitely see that in the new york match see that's that's one of the things about vancouver uh in an interview with one of the players i can't remember off the i think it was twilight was talking about like just how important it was for them to keep that positive mindset because even though they lost on two of their like best maps they just would reset each time and say okay when we get our map pick we're gonna come in we're gonna win and it's i think there's a lot going into this game. Like, there's the meta game of like who's the best at watching their uh, cooldowns and their ults, like you were saying. And there's also the psychological side of it, like who's going to keep the best mentality. And yeah. I think both sides are amazing at both those things. Yeah, they yeah. don't carry losses to the next map. Like, they if they lose a map, then it's basically a hard reset for both teams. We they don't dwell on losses. We haven't seen the shock feel, seem affected by a map loss since that like that seven game. Of, against Vancouver in stage yeah. one. Really, the yeah. only time they've ever been shook is on Rialto in the stage one finals. Yeah. Where going into Rialto, they when made... they gave up that world record push to Vancouver, they looked done. Like, they, oh. they basically quit. It was, it was awful, yeah. And so, it would be beautifully poetic. If, if it happened again, yes, the if, opposite if, way. Yeah, if, if this game ends... On, on Rialto, Rialto, because Rialto is, like, this story map for the shock, where Rialto is this defining factor. You, mm -hmm. They went into the loser's bracket on Rialto. Stage one, they lost on, on Rialto. Rialto, and then going into stage two, that was the spawn of their perfect season, and basically one of the reasons why they're even, why they were the seeding they were, why they were the number two seed, is Rialto off that stage two. So it's just an interesting thing, but I mean, there's so much more to actually talk about. Uh, we'll have a actual episode just dedicated to this game and the matchups and stuff before the finals. Yeah. Uh, so 
that'll be fun. But yeah, it's 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 basically the best grand finals we could ask for. Yeah, basically. And it's uh, what the perfect culmination to the season where these are the basically where these have basically been the only two teams that have mattered outside of like the end of stage three when Shanghai decided to be the greatest team. Hi, of all time. we're Shanghai. Let us take this one stage. Like yeah. Shanghai was the greatest team of all time for like a weekend. A weekend. Yeah. I mean, they defeated. New York. All, of, all three of all these three teams. Of the teams. They beat yeah. in New York, Shock, and then Vancouver. So they ran through the upper bracket of the Grand Finals playoffs tournament. Yeah. And it wasn't even close in any of those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was that triple DPS bullshit they were running. Yeah. I think what, what came down to there is that these top three teams came back stronger. Uh-huh. Shanghai didn't. Yeah. They like they for now at least plateaued a little bit. Yeah, Shanghai that but was peak Shanghai. That was peak Shanghai. But the thing with the shock and the and the Titans and even to an extent the NYXL, they don't plateau. Mm-hmm. They continue to get better, even though NYXL keeps getting stomped like right outside of the grand finals. Or right in the grand finals. It's they keep getting they keep going better. It just happens that the shock and the uh the Titans yeah, it happens slightly better. Running into two of the dominant teams we've ever seen. It's it, it, <laughs> so it's, it's like you can't really help it. It's like uh, the two bigger bullies at the school, and New York's like the one bully who's like, yeah. And he's, then it's he's like, sophomore. They are both seniors. Yeah. Oh no. Well, speaking of NYXL, I'd like to take a moment to say rest in peace to some of our fallen teams, but also talk about their prospects in the next season. I'm just going to go down the line, starting with Atlanta, who got ran over by the spark. Yo, Baby Bay, what the hell? Come on, man. (laughs) Baby Bay had... I mean, it's not like Atlanta played a good game in general. Yeah. But Baby Bay, in particular, stuck out like a sore thumb, where he looked really bad. He just was out of it. But it's, it's one of those things where I feel like that's the story of Atlanta, just all season, is... They're wildly inconsistent, mm-hmm. and they've been on like this run for over a month, and it was just kind of about time that they were going to fall. Yeah, because they are just inconsistent, uh-huh. and they've always been. You know, there have been moments where they've pushed the shock to map five in what was essentially a goat's meta still, and the shock were untouchable. Yeah, they've pushed top teams to. The brink. Mm-hmm. But also, they've looked like one of the worst teams in the league yeah. at, at certain times in the season. Sometimes they look like s- solid... Well, I think it's kind of fitting, actually. Their symbol is the Phoenix. So they'll do this great rise and then burn and have to restart from the bottom. Yeah, and so Atlanta, for their whole season, there should actually be like a celebration because yeah no one thought they would be basically the number five team yeah going into the final final weekend mm-hmm. I, I i guarantee people thought they wouldn't even be a playoff team correct b- based on how they were playing so it's m- making it into the playoffs getting a playoff victory which against is, the shock against the shock which is something that the gladiators weren't able to do ever their first season <laughs> And it's, like, a big deal. Like, it's hard to get a playoff win. And the Atlanta Reign were able to keep it close with 
one of the most dominant teams ever in the Overwatch League, that they were able to keep it close, get out a win, and yeah, you lost against New York, which sucks, and then you lost against the Spark, which also sucks, but you were there, and mm-hmm. you had the chance, and there are a lot of teams that never had that chance to make it into the playoffs. Yeah. That never had a chance to upset the Shock. And so actually making it with a lot of uncertainty. I mean, DeFran leaves early in the season, so then your DPS slot is in flux. You get Baby Bay, who was struggling at the beginning, and then he improves drastically. It's not like Baby Bay is this king of consistency. I mean, we've seen him shock season one. Mm -hmm. He's not consistent. He's not consistent. Dogman isn't consistent. None of them are consistent. But they get great at the right time. And they storm off stage four, seven and zero, oh, incredible run, and then they make it into the playoffs as a top six team. Yeah. So they didn't even have to mess around with plans. Like that's a big deal because Chengdu had to mess around with plans, Guangzhou had to mess around with plans, Shanghai had to do plans, mm-hmm. London had to do plans. The reigning Overwatch League champs had to be in plans to get into the playoffs, to get destroyed, but to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And Atlanta was just there already. And that's super impressive. And that's that's just where it's different. And I think out of these teams, Gladiators and New York are going to stay pretty much the same. But Atlanta, I can only see them improving more from here because they are... All it takes is scratching out the inconsistencies. It's just working on making them all consistent players. And once they're all consistently great players, then it's like, well, what can you do to stop them? Yeah, and Atlanta is in a really, really good spot. They're similar to Philly, that their contenders team is so disgusting. It's solid. That that you can pick up anybody. But Atlanta's contenders team is also genuinely incredible. Like, Overwatch League level. Like, similar to how Runaway was when they won Contenders and then, you know, they became the Vancouver Titans. Yeah. yeah. I think Atlanta's Contenders team could just be inserted into the Overwatch League and be just as good. They have monster supports. Funny Astro, who was called up but didn't really get playing time, he's a very good main support. Mm-hmm. And then you have Kodak, who was on the Atlanta Reign mm-hmm. and then was demoted because he wasn't getting playing time. He's probably better than Dogman. Probably. At support, the issues with, you know, Kodak compared to Dogman is Dogman's the leader of the team. Mm-hmm. And leadership qualities trump just g- general skill yeah, in most sure. situations. It's a team game. But they're, the Atlanta Academy is genuinely incredible. So you call some of those players up, you're set. You know, you have a wealthy pool of talent to pull from. Yeah. Which is something that, yet again, a lot of teams can't say. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then the Gladiators, followed by the Shock, which, I mean, isn't surprising because of previous just meetups and previous histories and play playoffs and stuff. They did get that one that one playoff win, which I think is something that they should be proud of because it's not that they're a terrible team. It's just that... I think everyone puts them above where they actually are and they hold them to this great standard because of who they have on their team and how confident the team comes off. But Decay is very inconsistent. There's so many 
just inconsistencies on that team that when it comes down to it, there's only so much that your solid supports and your solid tanks can do. And then what's left? You got some guys just kind of flailing for nothing. The gladiators are cool. I think I think they're the, they're one of the few teams that should just straight up run their roster back. Um, yeah. Obviously, you need to find somebody to replace Roar. Yeah. Because Roar, just all season hasn't been super great. Yeah. Um, but you know you could mess around, and you can find a main tank. Mm-hmm. It's it's not hard. And then Void has been good. Hydration is somebody that is super valuable on your team because he can play everything. You know, similar to Rascal in that sense. Sure, for Decay. Decay's still good. He's just inconsistent. But uh, you're not just going to get rid of a dude like Decay because his highs are very, very, very high. And then Surefor, obviously, is one of the top players in the league. Mm-hmm. He's not top 10, but he's no. he's top. Like, you know, he's yes. up there. Like, if you talk about great players, you're going to mention Surefor. Yeah. And then, obviously, their support line, you're, just not, you're not going to split them apart. Mm-hmm. So you basically just roll this roster back. Obviously, the Gladiators have spending power, so they can pick up players. I just don't know who exactly they would pick up. That's more of like a surveying the field, researching kind of deal. But the Gladiators are one of the few teams, and, you know, I seriously do mean few teams, that I would be fairly confident in just rolling back the roster that they had this year Mm -hmm. and being a playoff team next year. Because their team is super talented. And there's not a lot of glaring weaknesses that you need to cover up immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can always get better on the margins. If somebody's opened up for, like, trade talks, you can always get somebody. Like, they have assets. Yes. And they have solid assets. That's the thing. They can... Even getting rid of Roar isn't, like, a bad thing. Like, he's not the greatest on the team, but he still has value. So it's... I think it's solid. It's really just replacing Roar. Yeah. I think that's, like, your biggest deal. And then, if you can upgrade from Decay, do it, but I don't think you need to. Mm-hmm. I think Decay... I think it's it's not great to have a player that's, like, has the highest of highs and then lowest of lows. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's a long season, and mm-hmm. sometimes you just need a dude that can pop off like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. just need a guy to go crazy one game. And it'll work. But the Gladiators are in a really good spot. It's good that they got their playoff win. Yes. Now it's just actually, and this is the thing that we've been saying, is to actually be a top-tier team. Mm-hmm. Not falter when you do face the number one, number two, number three, or number four teams. Mm-hmm. Like, actually take the fight to them because that's the one thing the Gladiators are missing is consistent performances against the elite of the elite. Yes. Yeah. And it could be a coaching thing. Like, they could not have the right strategy. It could be a player thing. It could just be these dudes don't work do well under extreme pressure. Um, who knows? But I'm sure in the offseason... It'll be, it'll be figured out. Yeah. Work, work's going to be done. And then uh, moving on to NYXL. They got... And this is going to sound more insulting than intended. They got put in their place. They are the third place. They got beaten by the theoretical number one and number two, Titans in Shock. But I don't think they're a bad team by any stretch. I think they do have a chance. I think 
their DPS line is really good, and their support line isn't anything to scoff at. They're just, they're not as good as the Titans in the Shock. That's the only thing. If they just took the time to make NYXL tanks, Mono and Mecho, more of a force of nature, a more of a dominant, like, super aggressive... But didn't Mecho have, like, 300 kills in a game? Yes, yes, but I'm saying, like, if they... It's, Let I don't them think... be more aggressive, and then they got everybody else up to the same level. I, yeah, I think I... that's where the issue is. Mecho and Mono need to be able to be, like, solid and say, hey, let's all commit. Because I feel like they're more likely to commit to something and push, which is what we've been, which we're talking about. I feel like it's everybody else kind of holds back on the team, and they're like, let's just push through, let's just go through, let's just really attack the objective and that's what i think could be fixed on new york i think new york is also a team that just say run your roster back yeah exactly like, honestly, i'm not saying anything's wrong with it there's really no issues with new york that i see like super glaringly i mean one they're the winningest team in the overwatch league mm-hmm. between season one and two they rarely lose yeah and they're consistently number one or number two in the standings basically all year so new york is a great team they just can't get over the vancouver and the san francisco shock hump i think it's legit it's a play style thing it is because both the titans and the shock are wildly aggressive Mm -hmm. and the new york excelsior just don't match up well against that even if you watch the new york excelsior play who did they play? It was somebody in stage four. I was just watching one of the VODs and I was watching like the differences between like Animo and Moth. Yeah. And, and how they play. And it was a uh, Masa. It was the Atlanta game. Yes. But yeah. So I was watching the Atlanta game and I was looking for the difference between Animo and Moth in the lead up to this matchup. And I think the, sh- the New York Excelsior, if any position they could have more depth on is getting a more aggressive Lucio in mm-hmm. for Animo because yeah. if you watch Animo, he's one, he's incredibly safe. And yes. that's perfect for how New York likes to play because he doesn't die and he keeps everybody else alive. And that's what you need. And you could tell he just has a very good feel of the game and angles. Mm-hmm. So he's never, he rarely ever gets caught out on some bullshit. Right. But he is very safe. And I think if you did have a very aggressive Lucio, something similar to Moth, where, yes, Moth does stay back, but there are more times than not where he is engaging full force with everybody else. Yeah. yeah. But Animo stays back. Like, he is never in front of his tanks. You know, he's sim- like he's never in front of his tanks ever. If there's so, a shield up, he is behind that shield or he is behind a wall yeah. somewhere. So getting somebody a little bit more aggressive than Animo, not to replace Animo full sail, but if you can have somebody off the bench for, you know, maybe these control maps mm-hmm. where aggression might be favored. Yeah. Uh, or just even against these matchup against other aggressive teams where you bring in a Lucio that's just a little bit more forward. Yeah. And it changes the energy around the team where everybody else is also going to be a little bit more forward. Mm-hmm. And then also I just think you need more depth just in general. They don't have any other tanks or supports yeah. other than the four people that they have. 
And so you need to flip some of that DPS depth into another tank or yeah. another support because there is definitely something to be said about you have seen Mono and Mecho and Jonak and Animo literally all all season. Mm-hmm. There has been no switches. There has been no adaptation. It mm-hmm. is them and them only. So smart teams are going to pick up on that. Smart teams are going to know their tendencies. And Jonak is an unbelievable player. Mono, unbelievable player. Mecho, unbelievable player. But they do have tendencies. Yeah. And it's something that you can... These greatly coached teams can figure out. And you can catch them. It's just... If they had a surprise curveball, a surprise new support, and one more tank, just someone where you th- you throw them in and you're like, oh, this is somebody that like we should be worried about. But they don't have that, because like, everyone knows this Animo, Jonak, Mecho, Mono. And that's what Flower was, where you brought in Flower, and everybody was so used to playing against like Nene and Libero, that Flower and Libero is a whole different world. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with bringing in Sabiel B. I genuinely believe people weren't ready for Sabiel B's skill set yeah. on Reaper. And it caught everybody off guard because he mo- he's going to move different than Flower. He's going to move different than Nene through the map. And he's going to bring a different sense of leadership. Yeah. So if you can have that kind of ability to bring new looks in with your tank and support line, I think that's invaluable. Because you see that with... Like, you see that with the top two teams. The Shock constantly rotating their roster. Yeah. And Vancouver, all season, has switched up their roster. Sometimes it's Somensu. Sometimes it's Haxel. Sometimes they, they'll bring in Hureg every once in a while. Every once in a while. And then even in the support line, they've tried out Repel. Yeah. You know, and it's not just slime Twilight all the time. Sometimes they'll throw in Repel for a different look. Or just to give somebody arrest that day yeah or they'll bring in Hureg just to try it out just be like yo soman sue sit down and that's important it's important to have different looks because if you're just running the same thing out every single week people are going to pick up on that because there are too many well-coached no there aren't too many well-coached teams there are a couple well-coached teams that are going to pick up on that and it just so happens that new york is in direct competition with those well-coached yes. teams. Yes. Florida yeah. isn't in competition with them. Well, so they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you're right. Washington isn't in competition with them. They don't have to worry about that. You're right. New York has to because they're better than everybody. And their competition is New York and Vancouver. And, or Seoul. Fuck. <laughs> Vancouver and San Francisco. Yeah. And you could see that being picked up on from Seoul and the Gladiators. And even the sport. They knew that it's like, well, it's just these two guys. Why not just target them? And that's that's just what's going to happen. And, but like you said, I do think that New York should just roll back the same roster. They are with, solid. With some modifications available. Yeah. yeah. And New York's not like the most adaptable team. I mean... No. Soul to destroyed them in the playoffs. <laughs> like, let's not forget this. Like, Soul took it to New York in the playoffs. Yeah. And it was off the backs of everybody's playing goats, and then Soul comes in with Farah, mm-hmm. and New York couldn't adapt. Yeah, and you see that a lot with New York, where they're so textbook that they, I don't know, they're just scared to throw out the textbook sometimes. Mm-hmm. They won't. They don't. Yeah, 
they just find a meta and they're like, well, this is this is how we're supposed to play, and that makes you win. Yeah, they roll with it, and it works sometimes, but sometimes. But you but got s- great teams that break the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you got great teams that break the rules, or just great players that do, and then you need sometimes to be able to react to that. Just Shanghai. Sometimes it's just Shanghai. And finally, Xavier, would you like to talk about the fifth best team in the Overwatch League? Listen. Yeah, so I, I thought the Spark were the number one team. And they deserve to be. You know, it's one of those deals where, you know, you run up against juggernauts. What else are you going to do about it, you know? I think the thing with the Spark is they're so young. Like, the organization. Not saying, like, the players, but the organization's so young that it's comes back to they're just going to freeze when it comes down to playoffs because they don't have the experience it was win or go home and i don't think it registered that's like you have to put 110 percent in against these teams and that's what made them fall behind i'm sorry but the reality is that shock had the better individual talent like spark i mean yes obviously spark no matter if they were playing their best game I don't think they had any chance against the Shock. They didn't. I don't think they had a chance against any of the top three teams. Just as you look through the playoffs, you're like, damn, Spark aren't ready for this. Yeah. And they're, they're not as talented as these other teams. And they show moments. Like, I think the Atlanta game was a moment where you're like, wow, these guys are really, really good. And mm-hmm. I think the Gladiators game was a moment where you're saying, wow, these guys are really, really good. But they couldn't close out the Gladiators game, and... They beat Atlanta, but Atlanta's in the same boat as them. Yeah. So it was a more even matchup. But when they faced the Shock, it looked like every other time they played the Shock. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was just destruction, you know? And it just happens. That's what happens. Every time. It's just, You just knew if they had to come up against the Shock, it wasn't going to go well for them. Yeah. But they're in a great position because only Chinese team in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's something. Yes. So that clearly means you're doing something right because you are the one team from your region to make it in the playoffs. And I mean, if you just look at their division, yeah, they are going, to, you know, the teams that they play the most, Seoul and then the two Chinese teams, I, they they can be the number one in their division. They probably will be the top of their division. Yeah, because they're probably better than Chengdu on a more consistent basis and they're probably more better than Shanghai on a consistent basis. Sure, yeah. yeah. And it just depends on, can you be better than Seoul the rest of the year? If you can, then you win your division. Congratulations. And you're in a really, really good spot. Yeah. Because, you know, it, they're not in a position like Dallas is, where they're facing Murderer's Row mm. yeah. every single time that they're at a homestand. Their division is a little lighter. And they're actually one of the top teams in the division. Yes. Yeah. So it's they're they're in a good spot. I don't think they have to do much to change their roster. There's a few people that they can like get rid of and get new people in. But if there was ever a team I could see like completely redoing their roster, it's the Spark out of these. The Spark uh, just four. need to like figure out how to start faster. Yes. That's an yeah. issue because. Everybody keeps saying, like, wow, the Spark take a long time to figure out the meta. But you just can't take a long time to figure out the meta. No, you can't. Because it's been clearly evident that Blizzard is totally fine with just pushing in a patch. 
before crucial before a stage or before playoffs and you simply cannot be too slow to figure out some shit in the playoffs yeah you know you have to be one of those teams that immediately hits the ground running ready to compete at a high level with whatever meta and that just the spark aren't at that level so that's indicative of a coaching thing and also indicative of a not a talent thing but yet again everybody buying in to a certain strategy yeah Uh, and just i don't know maybe just going with the meta first like i mean we all know at the beginning of stage four they went they try to go like hard like og genji tracer dive Mm -hmm. that shit didn't work (laughs) they kept trying it yeah they tried it for what three games yeah and then they were like stop then they like, oh, maybe we should do what Shanghai's doing with the Pharah, and that still didn't work out for them, because by that time, everybody was like, oh, it's definitely this Reaper, this Reaper thing, this Reaper thing. It took Way like, 80 years to figure out how to play Arisa. Like, just their players are so slow to get really good at a meta, but when they do get really good, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. It's just, you can't afford to suck for a little bit. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can't drop, like, three or four games just because you can't figure out... What the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, where to place your Arisa shield. That is, yeah, no, you can't do that. What you can do is take a listen to this ad right This episode is brought to you by the Scrappies. Tune in next week to find out who we think is the MVP, best support, and other roles, along with the play of the stage, and more. Back to you, team. So... We're gonna we're gonna bring it in. We're gonna take it out of the games a little bit, maybe a little bit in the games, but it's time for a little retrospective of the season. It is the second season, coming to the close of the second season of the Overwatch League, but that means it's also coming to the close of our inaugural season of the Scrapyard. Hey, shut up. That's a that's a big deal. That true. We've hit thirty episodes. So uh, I was thinking we could talk about some of our favorite moments from the season possibly any good stories about players or something like that including outside of games and you know stuff like that so xavier would you like to start okay um hi i'm xavier hi Um, xavier i've been (laughs) hello javier (laughs) i've been addicted for (laughs) two years to this damn game (laughs) okay so with this whole season it's better than season one definitely by far and i think it's better than season one because there were more clear storylines you obviously had the expansion teams yeah uh, particularly the vancouver titans who when they did come into the league it was very clear people didn't necessarily believe they were overwatch league level and then they stormed through win stage one and become the number one seed most dominant team we've ever seen of all time. Yeah, and yes. when they and when they've lost, it's been because people have played the best games of their life. You know, Kareev had <laughs> yeah. that Shout one. Shout out to Kareev. Yeah, Kareev had that one weekend. Uh Corey had that one weekend. Shout out to Corey. <laughs> That's about it. And then everything else, the Vancouver Titans have just dominated everybody. Um yes. but then also the shock, you know, the shock were in season A mediocre 1. Mediocre team. Yeah, in season 1 they sucked. Um, and then suddenly, stage one, they were a little bit slow, and then they just figured it out towards the end of stage one. And when they figured it out, they just decided to never forget it. 
yeah. they just kept it going all season. So I think the Shock and the Titans are the two biggest stories. Um, but then also it's just a lot of little interesting micro stories. I think yeah. London being bad. Mm-hmm. Was, yes. You know, I feel like people have been shocked by London where they just sucked like all season. <laughs> they were yeah. bad. Period. And, and, yeah. discussion. and then with London, it was just one of those deals where all season everybody was like, wait until London does this. And the London does this thing never happened. Yeah. And it's actually kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think just even the meta as the season has grown has been interesting because, yeah. you know, stage one and two were basically the most goatsiest of goats we have ever goats before. It was just hard goats, nothing else. And then suddenly, with fairly minor balance patches, stage three was one of the most interesting metas. Yes. Because it was still, like, goats. But then you had Shanghai, who are, like, the team of the season. In stage three, just kind of figure out this three DPS thing. Youngjin, DM, and Ding. Just running roughshod over everyone in the league. Mm -hmm. And no one was able to adapt to it. And... Teams tried a lot. Teams tried, all right, we're going to go just regular goats and force point pressure. We're going to try and out-snipe them. We're going to try and have a far duel in the sky with them. And simply nothing would work. Nothing was working. And Shanghai figured out something that worked. And it was Mm -hmm. impressive. And then, obviously, 2-2-2 comes and changes everything. And I think 2-2-2 is much needed for the league to grow. Mm -hmm. Because now... I don't think we would ever be talking about... Washington? Yeah. We would never no, talk about we Corey. Never we would never care about Corey because Corey was still going to be a trash Zarya. Yeah. Regardless of what happened. You know, Corey, these star DPS players, and especially the star support players and tank players actually are able to play what they're relatively great at. Yeah. Yes. Um, obviously, some people are stuck on heroes they don't like. Fleta stuck on May and Reaper. Yeah. But the DPS players actually get to showcase their talent. And it's just good for the entertainment factor of the league because, yes. you know, it's better than watching two Zaryas just fight for energy. Yeah. And then Sinatra kills everybody. Like, it's, it's boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it gets to the point where it's boring. And I think also something that I really liked was when we went to the two 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 meta and I went from this, like, Reaper, May, Orisa Hog kind of like set up for damage and then during the playoffs and play-ins sigma had come out and it totally changed like i mean you still see reaper but now it's like it's like reaper fist and it was interesting to see the teams that were kind of already picking up on that like shanghai kind of was like well we got to play the fist because there's going to be all these shields and you kind of saw them kind of like set the tone and then you saw shock kind of start playing with the fist also and obviously washington also was getting into the doom fist kind of aspect of it and i thought it was interesting just how little how vastly different it changed from what like stage three to stage like to the stage finals mm-hmm. and just seeing how insane ending stage two going through stage three stage three finals and then the two 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 
like how drastically everything changed after stage two finals See, onward. My favorite thing about this season is every week something different was going on. Like there was a different you big don't say. thing. Just fuck that's supposed to mean. <laughs> Nothing. It's just <laughs> it's just <laughs> every like you'd have Shanghai suddenly popping off and being the best team for a weekend, or you'd have Washington Justice surprising people or Seoul finally doing something. Uh, London getting beaten every single week. Something exciting happened. Oh, about every single week. I mean, we had a couple weeks where Florida and Boston were playing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. I mean, but even then, there was there was like minor meta changes going on at the yeah. same time, where like there's this natural progression of the players, the coaches, and the teams figuring things out and working into where we are now. Yeah. And I think that's great. Like there was the week or two where like sombra goats was a thing and then it was just gone and like just so much happened you could keep interested for a long time yeah that sombra goats thing was and it was like here and gone very quickly it was here and gone faster than tracer's recall but i think also don't look at me like that don't look at me like that it's my turn let me take the bad puns this week so i think and also also we saw literally every hero get played uh-huh. This entire season, like yes, every single hero got a chance to be played. I like to shout out Amang for just being real serious on that hamster because I don't think we would have ever seen him until now with the like Sigma, or we would only see him. The same reason why we would only see Tracer or any of the other heroes just quickly get onto the point, or to like stall out and try and hold the point. And I think especially with like teams like Chengdu who came in they were so stubborn about what they were going to do and then like Shanghai during stage 3 where they were like this is what we're running get used to it and Mm -hmm. the duality of well Shanghai is like get used to it and no one can figure out it and then Chengdu is just like what the fuck is going on my guys and them just bullying bad teams shout out to Florida yeah and another thing is as the season went on there are a lot of like there are a lot of like little moments where just certain players would have like their time to shine. And I think that's going to be way cooler um next year with homestands because when a player pops off, it's going to be in a larger arena and it will probably with be with a crowd of people that want them to pop yeah. off. Yeah. I, I think of probably the biggest person was OG where yes Dallas oh Dallas <laughs> Dallas tumbled very bad but yeah around the time of the homestand Dallas was looking upward and OG was making a case for being one of the better players in the league like he was genuinely playing elite level video games the best video games he of was. his life he was playing the best video games of his life yes. and during the Dallas homestand OG was a hero to that to that crowd. Everything he did was cheered immensely. Correct. And I think that's another thing where that that thing will be memorable next year even more for every team because yeah. then we'll actually get that crowd reaction because when you think of the people that have really I guess made the season memorable at least for me, you have DeFran who came in like a like a star of fire and burnt out just as quickly. Yeah. 
because every time DeFran was on stage, he was doing something crazy. Yes. He would go Torb. Or if he wasn't going Torb, he was hitting one of the greatest grabs we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and the crowd would lose their mind. And that's the personality thing that's so important. OG, another one. Kareev, when he one. had his weekend. Right. Corey, when he had his weekend. Like, mm-hmm. these players are, you know, Sinat- like, and it's it's different than a guy like Sinatra or Haxel or Twilight. Super or Twilight, who are just, Jonak, who are just good all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the best moments of this league are when somebody just has that weekend. Yes. Where everybody is thinking, have we been wrong about this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have we been wrong about Kareem this entire time? Is he one of the best <laughs> players we've ever seen? And I think that those are like the special moments where any given week, you know, a guy could just go off. Like, Saya yeah. Player has had multiple weeks like that, where his team is garbage, but then you look at Saya Player and it's like, oh, he broke a record. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shit, okay, Saya Player is that guy. And next season it will be even more special because it will be home games. There will be less games in a weekend. You know, we won't. there won't be a, a Thursday or Friday game. It will be Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Two different homestands. I think that that will make these days more important. Mm-hmm. Because, one, you're going to have to pick a homestand to watch. Because they'll probably be on at the same time. But when you sit down to watch a homestand, if it's like three games or whatever, it's more palatable to watch and the energy will drive you through this four hour five hour broadcast right yeah. because towards the end of this season when everybody spent their money on the first two stages of the overwatch league stage three and four and even plans blizzard arena was dead yeah it was empty because homies school started homies tra- already traveled to blizzard arena to see a game homies got work you know who didn't stop showing up, though? San Francisco, Francisco Shock fans. They were there in bulk these yeah. last couple of days. And I mean, like... No, they were, they were there. I was like, damn, there's a lot of y'all here. That's crazy. And yeah. it's like... But then next year, the homestands, most of the games are going to be sold out. Yeah. There's not going to be that burnout of, hey, every week, four days in a row for five hours, we're having a broadcast in Blizzard Arena. Because... Yeah, you go to a couple games, but then, like, dog, I got other things to do with my life. Like, I can't just be at Blizzard Arena every Damn every single life. week. Like, and it's just not it's not feasible to hold an audience like that. Yeah, and it's it's also just like you don't want to get tickets to go and see a team you don't want to be there for. Like, you you could just tell like, oh, see, there's no one in the uh, arena right now during this first match where it's Shanghai versus Florida because nobody want to nobody wants to fucking watch that. But then, like, third game in, where it's like, oh, it's Vancouver versus Gladiators. Everybody's like, yeah, show up in, like, bulk. And then, like, the last game, again, it's like, well, no one's here for the poor Washington Justice game. And it's like, that was unfair to these, like, players. And it's just the fact that, like, you can't just get all these fans to come out. Especially the later into the seat season you got yeah it's, it's never gonna happen but obviously homestands are gonna make it a lot better yeah mm-hmm. um and then another thing it'll homestands will probably do is i think these teams will start to develop a, a better identity yes where there are certain teams that have a very clear identity but there are other teams like paris or you know the charge i think mm-hmm. or yeah. have an identity but they don't have like a super distinct identity 
um, Toronto. Toronto has zero identity. That's that's the one that comes to mind when it's like, what team slipped under the radar? Oh yeah, there was a team from Toronto this year. Yeah, dude, you look at like, I was looking at stage one playoffs and I was like, oh shit, yeah, Toronto was in the playoffs. Oh shit, they were? Yeah. yeah. And so, Toronto doesn't have an identity, and then you have teams like Florida who are trying to like revamp their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with these home games, identities are become more clear. Yeah. Because, you know, certain teams are, you can just see by the venues. Some teams are going for, like, that big, huge event. Some teams are going for the more intimate thing. Yeah. Um, how they fill time between games, the different fan things they do. Like, all these things are going to be important to actually building something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's, like, the easiest eSport to follow. Like, I think yes. they did a really good job of working this league format and, um, it's just a lot easier to follow than something like Rainbow Six, which I like to watch, but, you know, when you got, like, all these different tournaments and all these, like, multi-day tournaments and different teams going at each other and, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, like, you're familiar with what TSM is, but you only know TSM from League of Legends Mm -hmm. and other games, but you don't know them from Rainbow Six, so it's like, Uh, I don't know who these players, like, it's, you know the banner of like a TSM or a Cloud9 is prevalent in so many games but you don't really know TSM as like oh I know their Rainbow Six thing mm-hmm. unless you really follow Rainbow Six but yet again as we've said it's easy to just turn on the Overwatch thing and be like oh shit Boston yeah like cool <laughs> like Boston like I get this yeah. I understand who Boston is yeah I will watch like it's just it's it's simple to understand yeah it's just and when it comes down to it, it's just that's what helps. It would. It's the same with why people like college basketball because it's like, well, it's the local college team. Obviously, we're going to support them. Or it's the same reason why anybody who lives in the Bay Area is like, oh yeah, we like the Oakland Raiders or the Forty Niners <laughs> or no, we, we like hate the Forty Niners and we like the Raiders, but yeah. we don't really like the Raiders because the Raiders are trash. Yeah. Yeah. You could you had the option to say anyone from the Bay Area is like, damn, I love the Warriors yeah. and you fucked it up, Taylor. Yeah, no one no one likes the Niners. I was picking like conflicting teams. <laughs> no one likes the Niners, man. It's okay. Yo, no shout one. out to Jimmy Garoppolo getting paid for being a backup. Alright, so I'm not all right. Here so comes I'm, the sports part of no, the podcast. No, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna go off too much, but I'm just saying talking about the Niners. Jimmy Garoppolo getting his gigantic contract that he did, literally off of being Tom Brady's backup, mind you, off of being Tom Brady's backup, that's that's it, that's all he did, mm-hmm. is like, how, how can I put this in Overwatch League terminology? If, if you pay, hmm, no, because Architect is too good for this. He's not simply uh, the backup to Sinatra, you know? Yeah. He's he's better than this, you know? Yeah. He's, he's an elite starting level player that's just on a stacked roster. If you would give... Yeah, Alright, here's another thing. Now that I'm trying to do this, like, shitty joke about why Jimmy Garoppolo's trash, <laughs> these teams, all these teams, are keeping... It's like paying Illicit a million dollars just based off being... Fits and Fleta's backup. Yeah. But there you go. Now go on. No, but it's interesting thinking about like all the backups is I think it would be so much easier 
to talk crap about somebody on the bench during GOATS meta this season because no one rotated anybody in. Right. It was like the Shock ran their roster <laughs> with zero adjustments. Correct. All season. And every team did that. Mm-hmm. Vancouver didn't switch up anything. They didn't even think about bringing in Hureg. And that's the same with everybody. They only switched people when it was absolutely necessary or you traded somebody. And then when 2-2-2 comes in, suddenly the value of a Swiss Army Knife bench became relevant, apparent. Because if you look at the teams that were able to give different looks, they're the top teams. Yeah. New York was able to throw in flour when they needed just a refresh. Yeah. You know, they were... Vancouver was able to throw in Hureg just to give a different look and then try out, all right, now Somansu's going to throw in. They took out Haxel several games, mm-hmm. and then they bring back Haxel. New York, yet again, you know, Sabiel B, Flower, you're able to make those adjustments. Mm-hmm. And then the Shock, obviously, are the poster childs of this, where their roster has just been switched. Rascal Architect, Sinatra, Smurf, Striker, who didn't play all season... And then he's the most instrumental person on their team in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Just because you have him. You can just bring in Striker, and it's yeah. like, yeah, he's our Reaper guy. And then you can bring in Rascal Architect for when you want to run the Bastion strats. Like, the thing you, about 2 2 2 is you want that team where you're the dude from Pawn Stars who can just bring in the guy. Yeah, you yeah. just have a, like, oh, we're, we're going far now, we have a guy for that. We're going this now, we have a guy for that. And Soul, to a lesser extent, was ahead of the curve of doing this in stage three where they were rotating their roster bringing in like an a team and a b team Mm -hmm. and it just so happened that you know the last two in the playoffs and during stage four that the meta just didn't necessarily suit their players skill sets or they were so tied to going the meta that they just didn't let fled a fuck and (laughs) (laughs) you see that on twitter a lot man yeah (laughs) fled a fuck but no, they just didn't let Fleta do what he needs to do, and they had him on. <laughs> they had him on May, and he's just I not just a good saw, May. I just Join saw... us next season for the sequel to Finding Fleta. Let Fleta fuck. I just saw that like build up in you, and you were like, ah. I'm going to do it. Yeah, it was very, it was a, an emotional roller coaster. But they were ahead of the curve, and it's, and you saw other teams start picking up on this. Florida started picking up on this. Yeah, uh, bringing in Gargoyle, BQB got a little bit more playing time on you know what he's good at, mm-hmm. and then Sai player as well, and then Shanghai is another team that really maximized their bench where you can have Luffy come up, but you can also have Izayaki come in, and yeah. your DPS. All right, Youngjin, Ding, DM, whatever whatever map you need their particular skill sets because they all have different skill sets. You yes. can just bring them in. Um, so I think the value of the bench was really realized this season. And some of the teams that don't have a good bench or don't rotate their bench are going to really suffer next season. Yeah. When travel becomes a factor and people get tired and every other team is using their bench and you're the only team that's running out, you know, the same six dudes every single game, and they're just cough, burnt cough, out. Cough, cough. Only the four New York have that are tanks and support. Yeah, I'm sure they'll pick up other people. Though. Oh, they'll yeah. Pop, pop, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if they weren't to, if they were not to get another support or another tank or fill in their bench more, yeah, that's where... Yeah, they Jonak and Automo ragged. Yeah, and that's where the 
problem will... Yeah. Shout out to Anima should still be an MVP candidate, but, you know, yeah. y'all not ready for that conversation. Y'all ain't ready. And we also said goodbye to the Blizzard Arena. Yeah, yeah. rest in peace. It's rest gone. It's, it's over. It's gone forever. Like, it's it's yeah. leased by a new people. Like, yeah. it's, it, it, there is no using it again for anything else, so... Um, but, but it had a good run. It's just a great run. Like, you're able to run games in that arena, what, four days a week, every week? That's valuable because it's, I doubt, you know, and it, and it doesn't look like a garbage TV studio. No. Which I think, yeah. I think the Overwatch League, if Blizzard Arena didn't look as... Clean? As clean as it did and as, as much of an arena like it did... I feel like Blizzard Arena could have, if it was like worse or if they skimped on the, the space, if they skimped, yeah, if they skimped on the space, then it could have really made Overwatch League look cheap and like yeah. very esportsy. And they managed to avoid that where Blizzard Arena, it's not big, but they make it feel huge. They do a lot with that space. And I feel like Blizzard Arena kind of, but it looks like a spawn room. Yeah, speaking of, we're about to begin our attack, but we'll respawn here next week. So remember, if you want any updates, find us on social media, at Scrapyard Media on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, especially where you are right now, at Scrapyard Media. Come play games with us on Xbox, PlayStation, and Steam, at Scrapyard Media. Link to our Discord in the description below. Shout out to Ash Ketchum. Shout out to Ash Ketchum. Roll outro. Is my real test to train them is my call.